Well, thanks for that update, Father. It looks like we are ready to go into Straight Talk with Father Will Thompson. If you have questions for him, please call in with your question, 877-795-0122. We are blessed uh, to have Father with us today and have his knowledge of the faith. And if you have a question, that's something that's on your mind and you want to uh, ask Father a question about that or something that's going on in your life, maybe you want a little clarification, whatever it may be, perhaps somebody's uh, asked you something and you're just not clear on that and how the Catholic faith uh, ties into that. Of course, be safe uh, if you're driving. We don't want you to be calling with that, so you need to pull over. But you can also do this on Facebook. You can give a shout out on there and you can uh, send that in and they'll relay that to us to uh, read to Father. Um, but if you want to be on the phone, 877-795-0122 and then you can ask the question directly to Father. So it looks like we have one in right now, Father. It's from Claire from uh, Holly. Claire, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hi. Can you ask your question to Father? Go ahead. Um, my question was, what is the process that the church does to um, determine whether apparitions are um, uh, true or real? And so you're, you're asking, are you asking specifically about uh, Marian apparitions? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay, that's a, no, that's a great question, and uh, I'll let you know right off the bat that it's been several years since I've uh, really looked at the entire list, uh, but it, but it's, it is a pretty comprehensive. Uh, set of uh, questions and uh, things that the church will do to test out whether this this is a you know the real deal so to speak um, I know you know there's rigorous uh, rigorous interviewing um, I mean I think the CIA probably learns a few things from <laughs> what the church will ask about Mar- Marian apparitions to you know look for consistency uh, in in what the the people who had you know received the apparition uh, they're looking for consistency in what was there um, and and part of the consistency is not only of that particular story, but it's what is the message of Mary? Uh, so what, what, what message should Mary pass along? And, you know, if, if, if it's anything that just really goes way off into, in, you know, past left field uh, of, you know, what she has said in previous apparitions or what, you know, what the church teaches, you know, there's some questions that, that will come up with that. Um, uh, I know they they also look at you know what is what is the outcome what what happens after the apparition um, so sometimes there will be an apparition and uh, you know the church will wait a few years uh, to confirm mm-hmm. that apparition uh, and one of the things they look at is you know it, is it is it about God or is it about an enterprise? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly there there are some pla- some places that you know off on the side you're going to have some rosaries for sale. But but if it, if it seems like this is really more about bringing people in, about having a financial influx uh, into an area, uh, there's some red flags that will that will come up with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the but the big thing is is looking at the the person who received the apparition, um, asking other people uh, in the area uh, what what it is that they saw or heard through through this, um, and I guess that, that's probably the be- the best answer I could give you right now. I know that there are some other uh, questions that are looked into, uh, but it is a pretty rigorous uh, uh, some r- rigorous research, and the church doesn't 
confirm an apparition until it is done. Right. So right now, you know, we hear about Medjugorje. Um, and so the, the church has not officially said that Medjugorje is, uh, is, is real. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because it always waits until the, the apparitions are done. Because uh, she's still, the, two of the, or all of them are still hearing messages, are they that's not? That's right. Yeah. So I mean, there is, and there's clear. There has to be clarification to that, and they they have to go through, uh, you know, being talked to and uh, kind of debrief like you talked, you know, really yep. Yep. with with like the CIA, and I mean, even with like Fatima, which she has on here, but you know, the children had to be separated, yep. and they had to go through detail. You know, and you go back to Lourdes with uh, Bernadette. She was uh, almost persecuted to a great deal of length, yeah. you know, uh, with with the church because the, they just weren't sure what was going on, you know. Because mm-hmm. was it her that had with the Immaculate? Uh, she was called the Immaculate, right? Yep. Yeah, I'm the Immaculate. So, and they were conception. really concerned about that, right? I mean, because yep. that had been nothing that really had come up from that point. So, there's a lot of things that have to go into that, and they're always cautious, mm-hmm. always cautious, which oh, yeah. you have to be. So, yeah. So, thanks for that question, Claire. That's uh, it's really a good one. Yep. Uh, it reminds me that I have to go back and do a little more research myself <laughs> just to uh, yep. <laughs> see, see see what else uh, it is that the church will look into before clarifying or before confirming right. uh, those apparitions. So did that you. answer your question, Claire? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Thank All you. Right. You bet. Yep. Perfect. Well, if you want to call in 877-795-0122, just like Claire did, and you could be on the phone and ask the question yourself, or you can just give us the question and we will uh, say it or read it from, from there if you don't want to be on the phone. But 877-795-0122. Again, you can go on Facebook and give us a shout out that way if you're kind of in that techie mode. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, we're waiting for your questions. And uh, I, I I think right now, Father, I think we can maybe, you know, while we're waiting for another question, talk a little bit about what this somber day brings. Yeah, you know, it's always difficult uh, uh, today, September 11th, not to reflect on the uh, the events of 18 years ago. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I still remember pretty vividly, as, as many people do, at least many people who are outside of or beyond high school. Kind of like the uh, Kennedy assassination for la- our last generation. This is kind of ours in our in our generation, yeah. really. I mean, you know where you were. Maybe even more for the moon landing, maybe you might know where you were. You know, those kinds of those was big not, events. I was you know? not yet a thought in my parents' exactly. mind. Exactly. Uh, but I mean, landing. those are kind of the same, <laughs> same things that kind of tie, you know, those big events that happen that, you know, it changes. It really does change the course of what's going yeah. on in the country. So it, no, it it does, and um, yeah. As, as I was reflecting this morning, I thought, yeah, everybody in high school or younger would have no recollection mm-hmm. or wasn't even born, uh, you know, when when this happened. But I was I was a, a sophomore in college, um, and so I do have a pretty clear recollection. I mm-hmm. just you know I'd woken up and gotten ready for the day, and I was eating cereal in my dorm room and <laughs> turned on the TV, and I remember just looking at it at the TV for a couple of minutes, like what's kind of what's odd, going on? It? What is it? Yeah, when I, you first. I really had no idea, and then I happened to see the second plane, yeah. uh, you know, f- uh, fly in, um, and you know later realized that uh, a few years prior I had visited New York. Mm-hmm. I had gone up to Twin Towers, oh, you and did. I think I might have been on one of the floors that was or, oh, you know, really? that, that was hit. So, uh, so just thinking about the people that were there, that were working there. Um, and then you know I went into uh, went into the class because you know I wasn't sure do we have class do we right. out of class what what is this all going to mean is you know is the entire country at war what what what's happening and 
so we got to our first class, and uh, the professor said, uh, you know, start class. And, and after a few minutes, he paused. He said, uh, you know, I just want to let you know that we, we are going to still have class. And lest you think I'm just a cold-hearted whatever, uh, <laughs> you, know, you should know that my daughter uh, works in, in one of those buildings. Oh, wow. And we are going to continue to have class. And so I think, I think the professor just felt like he had to do, do something. something. Yeah, uh, go to, crazy to keep his mind right. off of what happened. And uh, later, later uh, we asked the next class um you know about his daughter and he said yeah she she never even made it to work that day uh that wow. she was she was late uh late getting out and uh was stuck in traffic when uh when, whenever everything happened yep. um but it is it is really just one of those life-changing moments and even here in the upper midwest you know we, we feel the effects of that i was just reading an article this morning about how uh, when we have those major events uh, it often takes good 20 30 years to really be able to look back and identify you know what did that do right you know what did that do for us and you know uh, there were so many lives lost that day but there continue to be lives lost uh because of some of these mysterious diseases and mm-hmm. and, and, they, and they know it's connected to the twin towers right. but yeah it's just it's such a unique uh disease and they're still trying to figure out how to um uh care for some of the people that, yeah. that, that you know were filled with all the dust and everything else that came uh from from those buildings but you know, here in the Midwest, you know, we look at TSA and you know, the amount of time it takes to go through the airport now. Right. Yep. You know, we have things like that. And um, and even people's travel patterns. Some people just said, you know yep. what, I'm just not going to fly anymore. It's it's uh, just not, not worth it uh, right. to be able to do that. Um, so it certainly does change our uh, perspective. It changes our behavior. Uh, it's uh, you know, it, it changes our lives. And, you know, we've had the this you know, the ongoing war. Uh, for uh, for the last two decades now, and yep. uh, keep praying for an end to that. And and I think sometimes uh, you know as we look at that, we start saying, okay, well, what's you know as our our government, our country, you know, pushes for things like that, pushes for uh, that war, and trying to um, you know bring a resolution, All right? Uh, in those particular ways, uh, you know, it can sometimes raise up the question, you know, what's, what is the state's role in promoting virtue? Uh, that's, um, you know, we can look at that in terms of war, but we can look at that in, you know, so many other areas as well. Right. You know, what does, you know, the state owe us uh, to be able to grow in virtue? Um, Doesn't that kind of get mixed up a lot of times? Well, it does, you know, because I was, I was thinking about... Uh, you don't always think about it in that manner, do you? Really? I mean, seriously. You, you know that the government should should be in that in that capacity, right? Right, but but part of what part of what makes it so difficult is you know that if if the government should promote morality. What morality? Right, exactly. You know, I, I mean, I, I think of I think of you know two of the the most influential uh, treatises on on government. You know, Plato's Republic, um, which you know we could link a little bit to Aristotle and mm-hmm. Aristotelian vir- virtue mm-hmm. ethics. Uh, that there would be that that idea of you know the government, the state, it should promote virtue, right. uh, the you know proper living, good mm-hmm. living. Uh, but then one of the other most in- influential books on government was probably Mein Kampf. You know that. That, that Adolf Hitler put out, right. uh, and there was a different type of morality in exactly. there. That morality of uh, you know, the Ubermensch, the Superman. The um, that's the, you know, certain races are superior to others, and so so that's you know when when I think about the state's role in promoting uh, virtue, promoting morality, um, sometimes I get a little cautious yeah. about that because you know states do 
promote morality. I mean, you, you just look at the laws yeah. that are passed. The laws that are passed testify to some type of morality. Uh, and so, you know, to get too heavy in saying that the state needs to promote morality. Yeah. Okay, they're going to. Yeah. But what morality is there? Yeah, exactly. And, and so I, th- I think in our country, as we as we look at uh, the morality that we receive, you know, there's there there is that you know liberal democracy in the sense of, you know, what we'll, we'll put some some, uh, you know, some stri- you know, we will put some restrictions, sure. you know, where there are some things that are certainly beyond the limits. Right. You know, if you murder someone, you will be tried. Right. Uh, you will be in prison for that. Well, let's, um, let's get over, we'll get into that just a little bit. Let's, uh, we'd like you to call in for 877-795-0122 for any questions. Maybe you have a question on what Father's talking about here, you know, with what's going on. We have a lot of issues that are going on with, uh, you know, around the state and, and what they're pushing, you know, to us and what our responsibility might be as, as Catholics, as, you know, getting into that. So give us a call. Call 877-795-0122. We really would love to hear from you and have a question for Father. Otherwise, you can go on Facebook and you can give us a shout-out there. Uh, We'll get that read to Father. So we're waiting for your calls, 877-795-0122, to ask uh, Father any questions. But where does that go, Father? Why don't you continue on that? Yeah, it's... I mean, it, it's it it is difficult because there there are there's a constant need to review mm-hmm. uh, to review the needs to promote virtue, promote morality, um, and and I think as citizens sometimes we can get you know disappointed, we can get frustrated, mm-hmm. uh, we can just give up right. you know, and say you know what it's not worth engaging in the in the political um, right. Um, and the U.S. Spe- bishops really push that. I mean, when we come up into different things, they're really pushing that. I know our bishop does yeah. in this, and I, I think throughout our greater uh, Real Presence Network, uh, you know, that the bishops are really behind that. Being a, a, a solid citizen mm-hmm. means you need to get involved. Yeah, not be- just voting, not just voting. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That, that our you know, our our civic duty does not end on the first Tuesday of November. Correct. Uh, but to continue to be involved in, in, in pushing in, those issues and bringing those issues up and you know and contacting your your legislative uh, bodies, you know those that are representing you. We need to continue to have that because it isn't. And we I think we're going to be talking about some with you know MCCL and and other things that are going. We have forty days for life. Another great yep. way to do that. That is pushing on a great great uh, yeah. uh, issue that's coming up i mean but all of that is not just the responsibilities of the government we are the government really we have representatives there and that's what the bishops really tell us that we need to be so involved in in that yeah. civic duty it just does not end by saying hey it's going to get taken care of up there because it doesn't because right. it can be open to many many different uh, things like you were talking about you know interpretation to that effect so we need to push our catholic uh, identity, our Catholic uh, tradition, our Catholic uh, morality into that arena, and it and it yeah. shouldn't be coming just from the from the uh, from the priest and the bishop. It needs to come from the laity. Yeah, and I, um, you know, I, I don't I don't want to steal uh, from Scott Fishbach, who we're going to be interviewing mm-hmm. right, here yep. in just just a few minutes. But um, but what, you know, one thing I have been reflecting on that's you know that there is some movement in a direction that I think we can appreciate is you know with the gov- government's decision that impacted Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. uh, that you know, you know the Planned Parenthood decided not to receive any of the Title Ten funds uh, uh, or, uh, Title yep. Ten or t- Title Title Nine Title Ten Title Ten yep. um, 
the Title Ten funds, and they, they, you know, and but the, you know, the government gave them an option. They could say, you know, if you remove abortion. We will still give you these funds, and uh, you know, well, we want to promote NFP. We want to promote that type of uh, of, of family planning. Um, there's there's something about Planned Parenthood's response that said, you know, if we can't do abortions, we're not going to receive any of this. Yeah, and and that just and that just really highlights their. View, agenda, yeah. their agenda mm-hmm. on, on, on abortion, how important abortion is to to what they do. Um, you know, the government was you know happy to continue to let them, and and there you know there, there is that uh, that idea that gets out there that well, okay, okay, if Planned Parenthood is not going to be here, who else is going to take care of uh, women's needs? Well, there are a lot of other organizations there out there that, that we take just care don't hear women, about right? women's health. Uh, they are out there, and they are discoverable as well. Um, That's but, the big but, issue. Oh, go ahead, but I, but I, but I want to. I want to kind of go back to a, a, a foundational point here about the state's role in promoting virtue and the mm-hmm. state's role in promoting morality. Um, that it's not it's not enough for the state to kind of impose. Uh, it's not enough for the state just to create the best uh, the best laws possible mm-hmm. that are going to promote virtue we have to live it yeah right you know, we, we have to make those not just choices it, right? in our lives yeah it's, it's not just something you say well i'm just I'm, I'm just following the law and by following the law i happen to be virtuous yeah it doesn't because that's that's not fully getting at where we are supposed to be uh that you know going back to aristotle uh you know, living a virtuous life is the good life and just because we are not you know, tempted in a particular way doesn't necessarily mean we're virtuous. Right. Uh, just just because we have to live a particular way that happens to look virtuous doesn't mean that it's virtuous. That you know, we we always talk about not only our actions but also our intentions. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are our are our intentions? Mm-hmm. And so um, it it is it is good when the state pr- uh, promotes virtue and when, when the state promotes morality but we we also have to make a choice to live that out in our lives uh, yeah. that that it can't simply be something that is imposed upon us yep well, if you have uh, anything that you would like to talk about here today we're happy to uh, hear from you uh, the, nu- the number you can call is 877 795 that's eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. You can also go on the Real Presence Live Facebook page and submit a question there. Yeah, uh, just give a give it give a call in, and we can uh, have Father answer your question. Maybe you were listening to us with talking about virtue and and the way that uh, the government is responding to that. Maybe something tied to nine eleven that's happening right now that uh, is in your heart. Maybe that you you wouldn't want to uh, express about. Otherwise, we would just take any question at all that you would like to to uh, give us a call and let us know what's on your heart. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two, and uh, you know, as we're as as, as I'm uh, thinking about this whole idea of virtue, I'm just realizing that you know that's not necessarily a concept that's real common. Right. You know, it's not something we talk about a whole lot. And and sometimes, you know, if we do talk about virtue, it's kind of a derogatory uh, right. term. Like, oh, you know, you're such a virtuous uh, Bible banger right. or whatever. that uh, popped into my head about 
you know, when we have our, our confirmation with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? And then what comes out of that is the fruits, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the fruits are really tied into a virtuous life, correct? Yeah. I mean, I couldn't name them all after the 12 of them. I don't even know if I could do the seven. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's just not don't, in don't, my head. Don't test me either. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, but, I mean, really, that's, you know, that's where it begins at. So we're confirmed. Does that mean we just shut off at that moment? Because the gifts are there. So who, you know, what, you know, it, it, it is continuous. Uh, yeah, well, you know, would, it's always say, though, moving in us. I, 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 would, I would say it doesn't start there. Uh, that's that there is right. Nat, I, I there said is that natu wrong. natural yes. natural virtue. There are there are virtues that uh, that we should be striving for simply because of our humanity. Correct. But with the the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit that allows us to live a supernatural virtue. Sure, right. You know, as we talk about the lives of the saints, uh, that there is that supernatural virtue that they they live and. With virtue, you know, saint, uh, uh, not saint, <laughs> Aristotle, uh, you know, I guess I just made a new saint there. Um, you know, Aristotle <laughs> talks about living in the mean, you know, living yeah. the, not, not living on, on extremes, yeah. you know, on, on, on either, either side, but living in the mean, uh, that that is the virtuous life. And so if we can do that in a natural way, uh, that will train ourselves to choose to also live supernaturally, mm -hmm. uh, you know, according to the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And whenever we talk about virtue, it's, it's a habit. You know, yeah. It's a habit that forms so yeah. that it becomes normal. And if you're growing in virtue, it's going to be tough at first. Oh, absolutely. Well, you it's know? tough no matter what, but it gets yeah. easier, I think. It does, because it becomes a habit. It becomes a normal thing. Uh, which ties into the reading. We had the first reading today with Paul, you know, talking about how do we put on Christ, right? And that through, you are a new, you are a new part of Christ. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you have to get rid of that, what's pulling you in the fleshy or the earthly temptation, right? Which is, you know, impuri impurity, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, lust, all of those things, you know, that are, are drawing you, or trying to draw you away from what your true self should be, which is connected to God, is what is what Paul's talking about, you yeah. know, you need to get rid of those. When he comes into Corinth, right, he's, he's seeing this church that's trying, right, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden he comes in there and it's like, well, you're still living this, uh, this unvirtuous life over here. Hey, you need to sweep that away mm -hmm. and put on Christ and become that new person. Right. If you don't show that outward sign of saying this is wrong over here, you're not you're not getting it. You can't live this life over here and kind of, you know, mix that in over here. You have to do it all in or not. Yeah. Yeah, as I was praying with with that reading this morning, I had the idea that, you know, this might have been the first time in history uh where, you know, a, a common thing I know with like ESPN, they they have this little segment that'll say, come on, man. And I think St. Paul might have been the first one to say that. Hey, come, on, the Corinthians, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, like, you, know, you, you, you know the gospel, you received the gospel, you were living the gospel, and now you're going back to what, the way you were living before. Yes, it doesn't uh, work that is, way. Uh, you know, it's not, yeah, that's, uh, that's not the type of freedom. And, and Paul continually goes back to that. You know, for freedom, Christ set us free. The freedom to live as the children of God, the freedom to live excellent lives, the freedom to live in virtue, the freedom to choose right to do that and you know this this last weekend um as i was talking about uh discipleship and um you know how it is that we live that uh, that discipleship out intentionally um i think sometimes it, it just scares us whether we're talking about uh, discipleship or virtue or sainthood it's like how can i do all of that 
one decision at a time. You know, mm-hmm. and not, not, not even just one day at a time, but mm-hmm. one, one decision at a time. You know, to look at what you are doing in just you know, two minutes from now. What is something you're going to do in two minutes? Is that an autopilot decision? Or is that a conscious decision to live in virtue, a conscious decision to choose Christ, a conscious decision to take that next baby step towards sainthood? Because mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's, that's what ultimately we're created for. We are created or recreated through uh, the passion and, uh, and resurrection of Jesus to be with Jesus in heaven forever. That means to be saints. And we're going to have those falls. We're going to have with the Christ knows that. So he instituted it. Uh, in the sacraments and, and said, hey, we have confession here. Yep. You know, you know, the priest is going to talk to you and we're going to, you know, go through that and, and we're going to cleanse you through that. Yeah. You know, your, and, baptism, and really, ba- really your baptisms aren't great. That. It's yeah. really Jesus who's doing that. And we go back again to the uh, that, that idea of the state's role in promoting mm-hmm. virtue. Uh, that's... You know, the state can do that, but the state can't save you. Right. You know, that's not, that's, <laughs> that's, not a the, big, yeah. that's not the role of the saint. No. You know, we're getting into our, our last couple of minutes here. So if anyone would like to call, uh, we welcome your questions. Uh, feel free to call in at 877 You can also send in a question via Facebook. Uh, that number again, 877 I know there's people out there. I know you have questions, so give us a call in there. Uh, love to talk about whatever's on your mind. Yeah, uh, and it's you know it's it's hard to I think it's hard to promote virtue. It's hard to promote morality uh, because in some ways it's not you know. And I'm going to use air quotes here because if you're listening on the radio, you're not seeing this. You know, it's not exciting. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, 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 you know, the virtue doesn't seem exciting. You know, it's not it's not moving from one exciting thing to another. Um, you know, because we we kind of get that as as teenagers that that's how life, what life is supposed to be, and and some of that hangs on with us mm-hmm. as we, as we move through life. That you, you look right. for that that exciting thing, um, but you know we're not we're not created just to move from one exciting thing to another. You know, yeah. that's as we're talking about virtue, you know, that's probably more of a philosophical conversation. You know, another f- philosophy that uh, talks about moving from one exciting thing to another is hedonism. Uh, oh, that's, yeah. uh, you look at what is going to bring me pleasure right now, right. Uh, and that's what I choose. Whatever is going to bring me the most pleasure, right. uh, and you know, not necessarily, even necessarily in the immediate, but maybe long-term pleasure as well. But it's all about that pleasure. But Jesus, you know, Jesus teaches us that you know, even in suffering, we can experience blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that we can we can experience God's goodness, and that's you know what our gospel is about today. As we hear the beatitudes, that you know, blessed are you who hunger now, for you you will be satisfied. Right. That there is a blessing in an absence, in a yearning, in longing for more, and that is where we are able to experience God's presence more fully. Not when we are filled, right. uh, not when we are laughing. Jesus says, not you know, that there's all these different ways that I like how I like how Luke puts the beatitudes today in the you know there are there there's accounts of them in, in the other gospels but mm-hmm. he he gives us the the either or kind of well i don't know if that's the right way but you know here's here's the, here's yeah, the blessing, the blessing right? and then here's and then the woe. Well, right exactly and i really kind of like that uh it kind of gives you a little bit moving on 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 well yeah i can kind of connect to that not saying that the the beatitudes that are said in, in the other Gospels aren't, but I just really kind of get that. I, I, I like that from Luke and how he gives that tie. He does it on a couple other things, too, in his Gospels. So, you know, kind of so... Um 
He does. And we, we have a question that uh, just came in on Facebook from Gregory. Uh, the question is, what dictates a just war? Mm-hmm. Um, Gregory, I'll have to tell you the same thing uh, that I said at the beginning of this segment, that uh, I'll have to go back and do my research, make sure I, I, I get everything uh, down. But uh, the just war theory was something that was um, really brought together by St. Thomas Aquinas. Mm-hmm. I think that there were there were some ideas that were being tossed around before that, but um, but the, the just war theory that we have uh, comes from St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, and there are some people that say, you know, maybe we should revisit this. Uh, we should look at just war theory again, um, not necessarily because of the justice side of it, but because of the war side. Right. You know, what war looked like 800 years ago was very different than right. what it looks like today. But uh, just war theory, if, if my mind, uh, if my memory serves me, there are five, um, five things that need to be satisfied in order to justly enter into war. Um, and I, I, I'm not going to remember all five of them, and I'm not going to uh, get all the terminology correct, although uh, Michael has helped me out here by uh, looking, up, up, uh, looking up a few answers. But first of all, you know, there, there has to be an unjust aggressor. You know that that's that that someone is coming after you uh, unjustly. That, that that you have that that right for self-defense, um, and then you know um, you know as, have all peaceable options been ruled out? You know have you have you tried have you tried negotiations? Have you tried to find a peaceful uh, resolution? Uh, if that does not uh, not help, then um, the, you know that would open it up. Um, that there is. Um, you know the, the intention must be good. You know that it's not just about taking taking over uh, an, another another country. Mm. Um, and there also has to be a reasonable uh, um, possibility of success. You know, if you go into this war and you know, you know, this is going to last twenty years. Yeah, that's that. That probably doesn't satisfy the just war yeah. theory. There are a few other uh, things that go into that. But thanks to the question, it's a nice, nice way to wrap up our conversation here on September 11th. Thank you, everybody. This is Real Presence Live.